I have this task here to preach about something that has been preached about, but even though you preach about it, nobody will ever understand it. Hmm. My job today is to explain something that's unexplainable. My task today from God's word, I'm not going to speak long because whatever I say, it won't reach the mark, is to try to grasp something that you can't grasp. Even when the Bible speaks about it, it says nobody can ever know that, though. Talks about it, but then it says no one will ever know the fullness of it. So we sang a bunch of Andre Crouch songs that was written decades ago, and some are really famous, To God Be the Glory, and Through It All. But I've talked to songwriters, Christian songwriters, who have told me that the greatest lyric ever written for a gospel song, hands down, is this one song. And the words were found, as the story goes, on a cave or a cell. The words were written out, but no one knows who wrote them. But the words describe something with such language, I won't do it justice, but I haven't memorized the lyrics, but I'll tell you what it's about. And what it says is this. If you would fill all the oceans with ink, the Pacific Ocean, the Arctic Ocean, the Atlantic Ocean, the Indian Ocean, and all the lakes, and all the Mediterranean Sea, and the, the Gulf of Mexico, if you would fill everything with ink. And then you would go out into the earth, and every blade of grass, and every sprig, and every branch, and everything that you find foliage, plant growth, if you would turn it into a quill, every one of them, every blade of grass, a quill, meaning something you write with, you dip the end in the ink, and then you can write. So you got ink from every ocean, and you got every stalk on earth, a quill. And then to write on, if the sky was a scroll, if all the sky that you can see when you're in an airplane, if that all was a scroll and everybody on the earth took their quill and dipped it in the ink and started to write, though they wrote and wrote and wrote from sky to sky, they never could describe the love of God. It's so deep. It's so pure. It's so amazing. It has a height. One of the other verses has it in it. It reaches to the highest star and to the lowest hell. It's everywhere. Of all the attributes that God has, the greatest is not his power, omnipotent, not his wisdom and knowledge, omniscient, not the ability to be everywhere at once, omnipresent, but without a doubt, the greatest attribute, no, I correct myself, it's not his attribute. He is love. He has power. He has wisdom. He knows things. But his essence, what God is, God is love. But it's a love that goes so far beyond what we use love, the word love for, that no matter how you try to explain it, Paul says, nobody knows the love of God. 
You go to church all your life. You could be a pastor. You could be a Christian for a short time, long time. You don't understand it. We talk about it. We get new glimpses and revelation of it in our lives. But to understand it would be to understand God. Because God is love. And no one can fully understand God. And yet the Bible is always talking about it. Just like a mother or a father for a child or a grandchild you feel love and feeling that you can't describe to someone else. Or when I fell in love with my wife, I couldn't describe to somebody how much I loved her. Because love is very hard to describe. It goes beyond words, am I right? But the Bible says make a quest at it. Pastors, preachers, tell the people what I give you about the love of God. How rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. When we're up in heaven and we've been singing for two billion years, we still won't be able to say enough about the love of God. Not your love for God. Not the love of God like I love. See, we use the word love. I love ice cream. I love whatever. But This love is God's love for us, not our love for him. Going back to these two great sermons that Moses preached that make up just about the entirety of the book of Deuteronomy, the fifth book of the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And Israel has come out of Egypt, slavery, God has delivered them, and they're on the eastern edge of the Jordan River about to go into the promised land which God promised hundreds of years before to Abraham but he wants to remind the people how this all happened and I'd like to remind you how it all happened for you if you're a Christian or why you're here today or even if you're not a Christian why God's given you another opportunity to hear about his love so Moses is saying the Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. So he's telling the people, there's nothing special about you that made God love you. Love on this earth is based on, she's pretty and I love to be with her, therefore I love her. There's reasons why you love. Something in the object draws your love. But he says, there's nothing about you that made him love. In fact, he goes on to be more blunt, but it was because the Lord loved you, for who you are in yourself, and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So now, this mention of love early on in the Bible God is saying to his people through Moses, remember this, don't look inward to try to get something to make God love you. He loves you. That's why you're alive today. That's why you're not in slavery and depression and bondage and in Egypt. He brought you out for one reason. He loves you. He loves you and that love wanted to alleviate the bondage that you were in. He loves you, therefore, that's why you're here today. That's why you're here today. 
Even if you don't believe what I'm saying, he loves you. The reason you're not dead and alive, but alive is he loves you. The reason if, how many Christians are here? Just lift a hand up quick, right? The reason your sins are forgiven, the reason you're going to be in heaven is because he loves you. He reached out for you when you weren't even looking for him, when you were cursing his name, when you didn't have time to give him a thought, when you didn't even know what a Bible was. Whoa, before you were even born, we're going to learn. God fastened his love on you and said, I love her. I love him. That's why we're all here today. Nothing, it humbles us. It takes away all pride. Anyone who walks around with pride has no concept of the love of God because the love of God is not because of anything in Jim Cimbala because all that I see in Jim Cimbala would repulse God, would repulse people. My negatives, my sins, my failures, my weakness. But God looks past all of that and says, no, I love you. I know, but I don't care about the but. I love you. And now we learn from Jeremiah how far this goes back. In Jeremiah 31.3, the Lord appeared to us in the past, the prophet says, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. So now we understand the romance of redemption. I have drawn you with love and kindness. Not warnings about hell, that gets your attention. But nothing woos you to God, nothing melts you in your heart except the love of God. And he said, I've loved you with an everlasting love. God doesn't exist in time. But if he did, and let's put it that way, one million years ago, God loved you. Before you were a speck in your mother's womb, he already knew you and said, I love her. I love him. God is love. That love is still here today. You say, but I have failed him. He loved you yesterday. He loved you when you were born. He loves you today. Did you know that today? God loves you. I don't care who's been bad to you. I don't care who's mistreated you, who's jealous of you, who's nasty to you. And that can come from your own family. But today, one thing you can be sure of, God loves you. He loved you in the past, and because he's unchanging, he loves you now because he can't change, but that tells me something else. As long as you're breathing on earth, he will love you. He loves you. Can we put our hands together and celebrate that, that he loves us? He loves us with a love that goes beyond any thought that you and I have what love is, the depth of his love, the purity of his love the strength of that love. He loves us everlastingly before you were conceived in your mother's womb. He loves us today. He will love us tomorrow. You can't do anything good or bad to make him love you more tomorrow because he loves you. If you end up here and you go to hell because you reject the message of the gospel, the cross of Jesus, it won't be because God didn't love you. It's because you fought off, fought off, fought off his love. He'll keep saying to you as long as you have an ear to hear. He'll say, I love you. Come to me. All you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. And should you fight it all off, the last voice you hear before you go into eternity without Christ will be, I love you. I love you. Come to me. I love you. I want to help you. 
This is not my plan for you. And you see that all through the Old Testament, especially in the book of Hosea, where God tells the prophet, I want you to marry a prostitute. I want you to marry a whore who isn't faithful and who goes around running around with other men having children. I want you to love her because then you'll be able to prophesy with a broken heart because my heart is broken. What am I going to do with my own people? The more I love them, the more they run away from me. They have this God, that God. They're interested in everything but me, but I'm the one who gave them life. I'm the one who delivered them out of Egypt. What can I do in one place in the book? God actually says, how can I give you up, O Israel? What can I do? It's like a rejected suitor. It's like someone who keeps knocking on the door and the girl says, get out of here, I don't want you. That's how deep the love of God is. If you receive that love, that's how you become a Christian. You receive that love as manifest how? Well, let's look. How is the ultimate manifestation of God's love? You see, Romans 5, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Notice who he died for. He didn't die for nice people. There were none. He died for the ungodly. If this bothers you and say, oh, that demeans me, you don't understand the gospel. All we like sheep have gone astray. There is none righteous, no, not one. You might look good in comparison to your neighbor or some relative, but in God's sight, we're all undone. But while we were still in our sin and he died for the ungodly, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we're using his name in vain and when you got mad at people, for Christ's sake, get out of my face and using his name in vain. When you were abusing the body that he gave you, when you had no time for anything about God, that's all of us. God said, no, I still love him. The only way I can win him back is to give my own son. He'll die for their sins so their sins can be forgiven. And when they see how much I love them, They'll turn to me. We love him because he first loved us. The greatest fact about our lives today is that we can be sure God loves us. What society thinks of us, what the elite, what the rich and famous, what the Democrats, Republicans, what black people, white people, brown people, what they think is so irrelevant. The great thing is, come on, lift your hand. God loves us. Come on, how many are happy God loves you today? And no one can take that love. They can rob you of your money. They can take away your citizenship. They can throw you in a prison. They can take your life. They can take everything except one thing, the love of God. God's love for me, nobody can steal. Come on, let's say amen to that. This is hard for us because we live in a world, if you agree with me and you're like me, I love you. When you're different, I don't like you. You don't stroke me, I won't stroke you. You're mean to me, I'll be mean to you. That's the way we all are naturally. So God's love is totally different love. While we were yet sinners, God showed his love and said, I'm gonna send my son to die for them. But the angels could have said, but they don't want you. That's okay, I want them. I love them. I'm gonna win them by showing my love. Isn't it the love of God that melts you? Haven't you ever had times like me? Am I the only person that's a scoundrel in here? 
where sometimes I've said to God when I sense his love and his blessing and his hand upon me, and I know who I am, I know what I've done, I know all my faults, I would say almost, God, how could you love me? You feel so unworthy. Am I the only one who's ever felt that? Say, lift your hand if you've ever felt like that. God, I mean, you know who I am. You know what I'm like, and you still love me. I bring this to a close. This is all important now. This love that God has for us is not something we're just supposed to sing about. We're supposed to walk every day in the light of his love. In his presence, there's joy forevermore. What is his presence? His presence is love. By this shall all men know you're my disciples because you, if you're fussing and fighting and don't like other people, you've somehow not met God. Somehow, you might go to church, but we've somehow not made the right connection because God is love. And think how the angels must feel when they know what God, the mercy out of his love he has shown us and we condemn each other and talk gossip and slander and negative talk and judge people and reject people over the silliest things and the angels must be there scratching their wings or whatever they scratch up there and they must be going, no, 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 no. Can you believe this? Yo, Michael, Gabriel, look over this. These people won't forgive each other. And look what God has done for them. I saw the son go on the cross and die for these characters. That's how much God loves us. Here's the key now. Many of us have maybe a vague idea about this love, but God wants us to go deeper and walk every day in the light of his countenance, which is love, in his presence, which is love, In his spirit, which is love, everything has to be God equals love. So it says this, and I'm done. 1 John 4, 16. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. Notice, not just that we know, understand it. We rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. We lean on that love. We wake up every morning not going by feelings or track record. So here's what bites us and trips us up. Most people are even real believers. We live our lives not relying on God's love. We rely on how we feel. Sometimes we feel spiritual. Sometimes we feel good. Sometimes we feel ugly. Sometimes we feel bad. Sometimes it's just feelings fluctuate. And that's how we judge God, by how we're feeling. We don't check with God. We check with our feelings as if our feelings are God. And sometimes you don't feel that God loves you. But that doesn't change anything. Sometimes you can't see the sun because the clouds are there. Is the sun not still there? Yeah, just get the clouds out. You'll see that sun is shining bright. So if you're here today, emotions can be a trap for you, especially at Christmas time. A lot of nostalgia, a lot of memories, a lot of emotion. Depression goes sky high at Christmas time. Suicide and attempted suicide goes high 
because people go down into themselves and mistakes they've made, lost the loved ones, missed opportunities in life. Why did this have to happen to me? And you can really get pulled down by your emotions, but we don't walk by emotions. We walk by faith. Come on, someone say amen. We walk by faith in the fact that God loves me. We can wake up every morning and say by faith. I know one thing about today. Like tomorrow, what's the forecast? I didn't look on the phone. I think it's supposed to be a good day. But I'll tell you what, it could rain, it could snow, it could sleet. One thing I do tomorrow, God will love me all day tomorrow. Can you say amen to that? God's going to love me. Why? Because he loves me. Why does he love you? Because he loves me. I know, but have you been what you should have been lately? You know, God knows about what you said or did or watched or whatever. I know he knows that. But the one who knows me best loves me most, despite who I am. So we don't go by track record. If you go by track record, you'll look inward and you'll lose the love of God and that consciousness. We don't go by our track record, how we've been doing lately. That's the way I lived my whole life growing up in church. If I was bad and got convicted, I try to do good stuff to get rid of the bad stuff. Come on, you did that too. Don't lie. You're in church. That's not good to lie in church. So if you fail God, you do something, you get convicted. Oh, I got to cover that by doing a bunch of good stuff. Good stuff doesn't make him love you more. Bad stuff doesn't make him love you more. He loves you. He loves me. He will chasten us because whom the Lord loves, he chastens. But one thing you cannot change about God, he loves you. And if you've grown up in a household where you didn't get a lot of love, it's very hard to live and rely on the love of God because you always have this tension. I went through that myself. My dad was an alcoholic. 22 years, ended up losing his job, started drinking when I was 12, never made it to my wedding. So my house was a piece of hell. I couldn't bring friends over. I never knew what I'd meet when i go home. My mother, es una santa. She was a saint. But the whole thing was like this. So to be able to relax and just know God loves me. And then I grew up around a legalism where people saying, got to do this, got to do that. And it came out like this. If you do good, he'll love you. You do bad, whack. What kind of picture of God is that? How many are happy? We can't escape his love. Can we just give him one more hand cap of praise? Come on, loud, my birthday. This is what was laid on my heart while I was praying about this meeting. That there would be people here who would be saying in response to these verses, you know what, Pastor? I don't see that in my life. I don't see it working out. Prayers I've prayed have not been answered. Right now, I'm not in a good situation. People hurt me. My own family hurts me. I got a wayward son. I got a wayward daughter. Where's God? I feel like I've been abandoned. You're talking about his love, but I feel like I've been abandoned. And did you know that all through the Bible, God's people have gone through those battles? Where's God's love? I don't see it. So that's why it says in Isaiah, look, but Zion, God's people said, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. 
In other words, God's people came to a place where they went, listen, we've been serving God, but I don't see where this is making any progress. The Lord's forgotten me. He might love this one. He might love that one. But for me, I don't know. I'm in left field somewhere. I'm in limbo. I don't see this love. He's forsaken me. I'm telling you. And you could say to them, no, no. But the Bible says, no, I don't want to hear the Bible. The Lord has forsaken me. And God reacts to that. And look what he says. The Lord says, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. God is saying, is there any mother in the world that would give birth to a baby and nurse the baby and then a week later forget that the baby was there or a year from there or 20 years from there? Could any real mother forget her own baby? God says, that mother might forget. I'll never forget you. I love you to the end. I'm going to help you. You just got to wait and trust my love because I don't want you depressed. I don't want you giving up on me. I don't want you saying God's forsaken me. I can never forsake you. I have you engraved on my hands. And what a beautiful picture that is. On the hands of Jesus Christ are the nail prints, even to this day in heaven. In his glorified body, he still has the nail prints. And every time he looks at those, he must think of us. Look what he did for us. He died for you. He died for me. He loves you today. You're not forsaken. Come on, wake up. Shake the devil off of you. Resist the devil and those ideas. How marvelous. How wonderful is the Savior's love for me. All of us should be singing that. But before we do that, I want to ask anybody here been attacked in your emotions, the enemy's trying to pull you down, that you're forsaken, you're alone, no one cares, Thanksgiving didn't work out the way you want, Christmas has got a bad aura to it to you, stand up where you're sitting and just come up here to the front. I want to just sing over you as we close the meeting. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. You're not forsaken. You understand that? You're not forsaken. You're not forsaken. I don't care what your dad did to you, your mother did to you. I don't care what your husband did, your wife did. Remember this, nobody can separate you from the love of God. Nothing in this world. No demon from hell, no law they pass. They can take everything from us, but they can't take the love of God. You come up, come on, just stand right here in the front and say, I choose to to rely on the love of God. I'm relying on God's love for me. Not my love for him. That fluctuates. What I'm resting in today is, oh, he loves me. Let's pray. Lord, help us all, but help my brothers and sisters, my friends in the front here. Help them to cast aside negative emotions, condemnation from the devil, accusations, rejections from other people. Help them to shake it off in the name of Jesus and help them to know and rely on the love that you have for them. That will never change. You are love. Thank you for loving people like us. Your love is so steadfast. It's so strong. How marvelous indeed. How wonderful is my Savior's love for me. So we rejoice in that today and we pray that that love that you have for us will cause to spring up in us 
love for you and our brothers and sisters. Even as your word says, we love him because he first loved us. We don't love you on our own. We only love you in response to your amazing love. Let that love spring out so that we're kind to each other. We're patient. We're gentle. We're generous. We're always looking for the good of the other person. We don't put ourselves first. We put the other person first. Give us that kind of love so the world might know, oh, Jesus is alive. Look how he loves through his people. So lift all my friends here in the front. Bless the offering as they take it at the end or folks going up to the mezzanine lobby. Bless all of that. We are overwhelmed, Jesus. I thank you for loving me. I'm the chief of all sinners, the least of all God's saints, and yet you love me. I thank you, Lord, for your love. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, let's put our hands together. Give a loud amen.